Welcome to Curtin University's Young Alumni Talks for Change podcast series. This series is created, hosted and narrated by Curtin Young Alumni for our young alumni. Talks for Change brings to you stories of Curtin's amazing young graduates from around the world who are inspiring social change within their communities. These are real stories by real grads, so sit back, plug in and be prepared to be inspired. We hope you enjoy this episode of Talks for Change. Hello listeners, welcome back to Talks for Change. My name is Sam Panaka and I am the Talks for Change host this year. I'm very excited to introduce you to this episode's guests, Claudie Jans van Rensberg and Molly Ryan. Claudie graduated from Curtin in 2019 with a Bachelor of Arts, Honours, Fashion, and Molly graduated in 2020 with a Bachelor of Arts in Fashion and is currently undertaking Honours Studies. Together with their colleague Shannon Itstein, they co-founded the startup social enterprise Fibre Economy. This innovative company is driving change towards a circular economy through clothing. Welcome to Talks for Change, Claudia and Molly. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. (laughs) So guys, as a bit of an icebreaker, given you've both finished courses at Curtin recently, what comes to mind when you think of your time at Curtin? Oh, long nights in um, mm. sewing because mm. we, we both did fashion and we actually lived together mm. in, when I was in my final year and we spent a lot of nights up until 5am working in the shed together, which is fun. It was a really good time. I think looking back at my time at Curtin, when I think of the person that I was when I started versus when I finished my degree, it's pretty amazing to think about how far you've come just, you know, professionally, personally, um, yeah, across so mm. many different parts of your life. Yeah, and creatively. Yeah, as creatively. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I guess being back on campus with Fibre Economy um, and the workshop series as part of the Good Sammy pop up, um, what do you think has been the biggest change? Ooh, I'm seeing a huge push towards innovation and, I mean, like, research Mm. and action, like, climate Mm. action um, on campus, which is cool. I think it's coming back with fresh eyes as well because we've both Mm. gone out into the world and we've had a little taste of what things are like. Um, Not that you didn't have real-world experience at Curtin, but it's it's the meshing of the two and I think we're now in a position where we're dealing with a lot of external parties and different people, um, but coming back to Curtin is always great. Yeah, we, I'm, we like, can't get enough of Curtin. I, I started in 2013, and I'm still here. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I'm I still actually studying, so keep coming back. <laughs> no, I find as well. Every time I come back to campus, you just have the fondest memories, mm. and you see it in a different light. Because yep. when you're studying, you know, you have to think about the library or yep. tutes or making it to class yep. on time, and. Yep. Yeah. I'm almost envious now because, mm. like, it reminds me of my youth. And, like, I'm not old yet, but <laughs> I'm not I'm not 21 anymore. No. Um, so, yeah, there was it was a very exciting mm. energy mm. on campus. I love it. Yeah. I feel productive, creative, driven, motivated. Okay, fantastic news. We all miss and love Curtin. Um, and now I'd love to chat about the important work that you're doing through Fibre Economy. Um, When I first came across the organisation, I was really intrigued by some of the statistics that you guys had put out. So can you talk us through Fibre Economy, exactly what it is, what you do and how you guys came up with the idea? So I think it was 2019 when I was doing my honours, I went over to Hong Kong and I worked for an organisation called Redress. So they're an environmental organisation that work to essentially um, 
eliminate textile waste within fashion, but all through the supply chain. They also address the education um, aspects, so like educating young designers, and then um, they do a lot of circular fashion work. So they work with Zara stores where people can donate their clothing, and then we would manually sort the clothing to find the most appropriate redistribution avenue. Um, and then getting back from that, I think it was October, um, Shannon actually works for BHP, so she tri- drives haul trucks and she had a lot of um, jeans, like mining uniforms that left over that she would bring to me to use in my own upcycling practice. And when I got back, she brought it over like 40 pairs of jeans. And after the, like, the circular experience that I just had, I kind of, it kind of clicked and I was like, there's something wrong here um, and there's got to be a better alternative. So we, Shannon and I just sent an email to BHP and said, hey, can we collect your waste and see what we can do with it. And we started connecting with different charities um, and organisations that work in employment initiatives. So that's kind of how the ball started Mm. rolling. And then... At around that time, I was actually... I was in Hong Kong interning for Redress. Um, So I left on the 31st of December, started work on the 2nd of January, worked in Hong Kong for a month and then COVID happened. So um, I came back at the start of February and mm. interned for them remotely for two months. And I remember about two days before I left, you sent me this message going, Shannon and I have this idea. We're sort of, you know, doing this thing. Would you be interested? And then ever since coming back, that's sort of how um, it started. So um, yeah, yeah and I think here we are now. You and I have always worked collectively on, on things. Yeah, we were inev- we, it was inevitable, inevitable we'd be business partners yeah. at some point in the picture so yeah, it's kind yeah. Of, we're from housemates to business partners yeah. I don't know how ethical that is or how, no. how many other <laughs> investors would see yeah. that but we work really well together so um but apparently it's yeah. a good founder story yeah yeah they do like it and then yeah. if Shannon was here you'd definitely feel that it's a um yeah, you know, we've all known each other for a long time. I mean, well, I look, went it's clearly working for you. Yeah, so. <laughs> I actually went to high school with Shannon and mm-hmm. her younger sister is my best friend. So it's all interconnected. Um, yeah. But yeah. It, it, we don't always get along. Like we definitely yeah. argue, which which I think is good. Absolutely. We kind of um, argue to a point where we know what the right answer is. Yeah, it's like expressing your creative differences. Yeah, and, yeah, and you've got to see from all the different angles and perspectives and take everything into account. I think someone once said to me, you're criticising the idea, not the person. Yeah. And that's what, I think we, that's what we take that's from what that. That's what we yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, I think just in summary, it comes, you know, the principles of what fibre economy is built upon um, come down to our design practice, you know, which is also essentially our, you know, art practice, our general life philosophy. It's sort mm-hmm. of an all-encompassing um, yep. idea, I guess. Yeah. It's incredible that Fibre Economy noted the market gap for a circular economy, starting with textiles in our resources sector, given that WA is such a resources sector state. What drove your interest in exploring this avenue? And can you tell us what you do through your company now? So I suppose Fibre Economy was um, built through Claudia's experience of Shannon bringing the PPE to her. So that was sort of... Shannon had the first-hand experience of the waste issue on site and Claudia obviously has her expertise within upcycling. So that was a, you know, a good marrying of experience and skill. And then where fibre economy comes into it. So we envisage that fibre economy will be, um, you know, a company that has a lots of different sort of sides and, um, you know, things that it works on. But our Second Life Workwear is currently our most happening um, initiative, I suppose you could say. Um, and so essentially what that is, is a textile waste management service to companies that use 
PPE, so we're looking at high-vis um, shirts, but mainly looking at the jeans and the cargo pants. Um, so we collect the donated uniforms um, and we sell the PPE to a range of redistribution avenues um, depending on their condition. And when we say sell, we're not, um, you know, at the moment we're not operating a retail store. We're more um, trying to figure out a pricing structure that pays for our services to sort them and get them to the right, um, you know, distribution avenue. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that comes down to grading the jeans depending on um, their, their qualities and conditions. Quality, yeah. um, even just finding different uh, people to give these jeans to is, you know, a big task in itself. Um, sorting it is quite a physically yeah. <laughs> so intensive we, job. So we sort them on four different grades. So mm. we've got the new or near new grade, which is um, brand new with tags. We get a lot with brand new with tags and we don't know why. We're still looking mm. into why people are, or I think um, mine employees, employees on mine sites, they get about five uniforms a year. Mm. Um, and a lot of them will order all of their uniforms at the beginning of the year, lose weight, gain weight, maybe don't need five uniforms throughout the year. Some people who work like the mechanics, they would go through a lot through the grease stains. But there are some like Shannon who sit in a truck all day um, and she will go through one to two pairs over like three years. So um, yeah, the new or new new stuff ideally will be sold either to mm -hmm. people like employees in mining, um, people working in trade or construction. Um, and we're looking at different avenues. So through pop-up shops, mm. shops, sorry, um, shop in shop kind of things as well. So like in a bunning store where tradies are coming and going um, what we're really online. Yeah. Yeah, what we we're do trying to do there is sort of, what did I say the other day? Curate a culture around secondhand workwear. Mm. So just making that a normal thing to do because, you know, so many people op shop and wear secondhand clothes. Why is it not normal yeah. to wear secondhand Especially uniforms. if they're brand new with tags. Exactly. You know, they're good quality. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, not all of them um, have tags, but, you know, they may have they're been worn once or twice. They're pretty, pretty much well new. near perfect. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, our first grade. The second grade is mm. the wearable ones. So these are... Um, they don't have stains or holes, but they, you can tell they've got maybe lost a bit of colour or a lot of ours are stained with red dirt. Mm. Um, yeah. But they're still wearable. Like, you can still wear them. Our rule of thumb is if you can wear it on your first day of, of work, then it's donatable. So these we sell to charities, but we sell them on, like, a subscription model. So mm. the fees are really low. I think they get each pair of jeans for about $6, um, but they buy them in packages. So, mm. like, X amount gets you 40 pairs of mm. jeans over a year. So they can order as they need mm. and depending on who they're ordering it for. Mm. Um, and the people who are ordering this are employment um, charities who are yeah. working with people who are transitioning back into the workforce. Yeah, so people, so the most at-risk yeah. at members of, yeah. of society. Yeah, vulnerable yeah. youth or disconnected. Yeah. Um, and we, we have actually yeah. gone and done some um, visits to some of the charities and the um, places that, you know, host these programs and it is it's heartwarming to see where the uniforms are going and you know it gives people um i don't know it's, it's just it changes the dynamic of the yeah. workplace being in a uniform i think i think it also gives people. them a bit of confidence yeah. to get back on their feet and mm. get back into the workforce mm. um because I, I work work where shouldn't be a barrier for people no um yeah so then our third grade is the unwearable ones so these the material itself is still good. You can still work with it, but the jeans might be, they might have a few holes in the pockets, missing buttons, um, might cut the, the, the hems are a bit scuffed. 
Um, but we ideally these go to actually at the moment they go to curtain students so they go to curtain students doing um, sustainable fashion they do a lot of upcycling projects so we give them x amount of jeans Mm. and they have to recreate another look from it we Um, see so much value in that because that's where our love for this was born through reusing these materials well i used a lot of denim in my final collection at curtain i still use it all my Mm. labels because i I have an upcycling brand outside of um, fiber economy and i still all my labels are made from denim from mining companies um i just think it's so important because that's where the foundation of all of this you know comes from is you know tearing cutting up an old pair of jeans how many times have you seen me do that (laughs) i know in that old shed (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah and then the final grade is the really unwearable ones so these are like really stained or really damaged lots of holes can't be worn and can't be used again um and these is this is a still investigating this avenue because it's a it's a final circular point Mm. um we'll be selling them to textile recyclers for them to be downcycled and Mm. um turned into another product or in an ideal world yeah yeah there's there's a there's lots of things happening out Mm. there with textile recycling um so yeah it's just finding the one that fits right for the material that we're working with and I mean, you know, it is good to see a pair of jeans that comes in that has been absolutely worn to its capacity. It's but falling apart, yeah. It's, it is quite hard to deal with. So figuring out that next um, next step for those, yeah. that category is our yeah. next challenge. And through all of it, like, we prioritise ha- keeping the jeans as they are. Mm-hmm. If we can get people to wear them as jeans for longer, um, it, it saves a lot of the, the resources that have been used to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't just want to get a new pair of jeans and sell it to textile recyclers Mm. even though that might be the easy way we want it to be worn for as long Mm. as possible keeping it in circulation Mm. giving extending the life of the garment yeah for sure well it sounds like you guys have put so much thought into this (laughs) and you're having or you're creating social impacts at so many different Mm. levels through you know an innovative idea and it's really interesting to follow and i look forward to seeing where you go next um But we kind of touched on this. So the fast fashion paradigm is shifting. Um, Consumer awareness about textile pollution is growing. Where do you see this trend going in the next year and then stretching to within the next five years? And Mm. how is fibre economy best Mm. place to address that? Um, Where do we see this going? As quickly as the years go, that will be here before we know it. So Mm. I'd like to think that a lot of change can happen within a year, but especially in the next five years... um, But what we're really big on um, looking at is the psychology of the consumer and the relationship that consumers have with clothes. And I think there are lots of systems in place for people to really capitalise on um, being more conscious about the clothes that they wear. It's just taking that next step and becoming an active consumer and, you know, understanding how you can reduce the impact of your wardrobe. Um, yeah. So that's my answer. Education question, is a big thing. Like mm-hmm. when we were in Hong Kong, we both worked with mm-hmm. the education team. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna give Curtin another shout out here. <laughs> um, when we were working with them, what they were putting, because they made educational mm-hmm. packs, not just for um, universities in Hong Kong, but universities worldwide. And the stuff that they were putting in these packs, we all already knew because yep. of what Curtin was teaching. Yep. So kind of got there, it was like, yeah, well... Curtin's definitely, um, I think, a step ahead of many other universities around the world when it comes to sustainable fashion. Mm. But I'm seeing a lot more happen. Like even in Hong Kong, yeah. there was there was focus groups happening on how we can introduce um, textile wa- uh, waste awareness mm. and sustainable fashion education in all fashion degrees because they aren't 
um, it's kind of like an, an elective mm. thing in a lot of places. Um, so the education is definitely ramping up. Yeah. Consumer awareness. Molly's writing her um, yes. honours on the yeah. relationship with clothing. Yeah. Um, but I think it was 2019, some magazine published a study on Google searches for sustainable fashion having gone up like 75% mm. in one year. Mm. So that if that's a measure for anything, like... Yeah. Um, it's only going to go up from exactly, here. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's very in the news nowadays. It's a hot topic. Even mm. the federal government is mm. now targeting yep. um, textile waste. Yep. And for fibre economy, though, I think the mm. corporate textile waste is um, kind of our sweet spot because... Your generic, like your general fashion waste, mm. your fast fashion waste, is there's already so much happening in that conversation. Mm. There's already so many players mm. there, but um, I think it's it's yeah. for us it's the focus on companies and big corporations yep. and keeping them accountable for their waste. Mm. And even from a, um, a business point of view, looking at textile waste on a whole is so incredibly overwhelming because you know clothes affect every single person every day. This is everyone's issue. Um, so yeah, from a business perspective, just looking at that one little niche market is more obtainable for us. So you know, mm. it would be great to figure out some sort of what did you say blueprint that we would be able yeah. to transcribe into other contexts. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, that's where the we're, circular systems yeah. we've created within mining, mm. we'd love to adapt for other industries. Like now, we've just been reached. Who reached out? Engineering Australia. Mm. Oh. So it's another sector. Like yeah. it's got a lot to do with mining, but it's a whole new field of employees. Yeah. Um, and they all wear the jeans. They all go up north for their site visits. And they actually, they're the more transient positions mm. in the uh, in the mining sector. Yeah. Um, so they wear the jeans for three months and then they don't need them mm. anymore. And branded mining workwear is my like nemesis. It's because um, it's so hard to get rid of the branding <laughs> yeah. and all the companies don't want the branding to be on there when we take them and redistribute mm. them um so i'd love to uh, find our ways to work with wholesalers mm. yep. um, and the people creating the uniforms and mm. how can we make the uniforms mm. more circular that even goes yeah. back to the importance of the actual design and construction phase yep. you know how do people design smarter design for the yep. future for you know recyclability yep. all that sort of stuff because at the moment it's very much so a linear yeah, um, it's 80%, 80%, 80% of a garment's environmental impact is locked in during the design stage. Mm. So that's wow. the finishes yeah. you're using, the colours you're dyeing it with, yeah. materials you're mm. using, um, mm. uh, the technical processes mm. you're using to construct the garment. Um, so that's really a key area that mm. I'd like fibre economy to get to. Yep. And another big dream, is, uh, dream of ours is um, to have our own textile recycling plant yeah. in Australia because yeah. there currently aren't any in Australia. And when you look at what's exported, happening yeah. in Europe, you know, we are, there's there's nothing here really at the mm. moment. Um, and obviously it's limited with um, so many different things, but that would be ideal. And that mm. would be that um, answer for all the other textiles that can't be redistributed. Mm. We um, rely heavily on the work that other countries are doing mm. with textile recycling, which I think um, with COVID, mm. it, sh it shone a real light yep. on the supply chains. like pre-consumer and post-consumer. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think there's just so much in that going back to the customer psychology around yeah. clothes is I think there's so much disconnect around where clothes come from, um, yeah. you know, and even though, I don't know, I feel like I always use the analogy of, you know, the $4 T-shirt, although mm. it is, you know, just a $4 T-shirt, from the crop to being in your hands or, you know, you wearing that on your body, it's passed through 
probably 50 pairs of hands, even more. Mm. And, you know, I just think there needs to be more awareness around what we're actually wearing. Yeah, and the resources it takes to mm. make our clothing. What's the water stat? 10,000 litres of water per I think pair it's of jeans. 14 years. It'll take you over 10 years to drink the same amount yeah. of water that one pair of jeans yeah. takes to make. That is incredible. Yeah. Mm. How do you it's even crazy. visualise that? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just... That's another thing that we that we will spend mm. a lot of time working on yeah. is how do we manipulate the numbers mm. to um, have the highest impact mm. with people because it needs to be measurable. It's got to mm. be um, it's easy to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even sitting here discussing it with you guys, I'm mm. thinking back to my last time in a shop looking yeah. for a pair of jeans and. Yep. You know, mm. I know what I'll be thinking about next time I go looking Water. for a pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And a good pair of jeans should last you years and yeah. years and years. Yeah. It's just um, it's you know. finding that perfect yeah. pair. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys are doing some workshops with Good Sammy at Curtin at the moment. Mm-hmm. What comes next for fibre economy in the immediate future? Oh, we are... Climate launch pad. Yeah, we're actually in the process of doing the climate launch pad um, Program? program, I suppose you would call it. We did an intensive three-day boot camp and our host, um, Hans um, Westerhoff, Westerhoff. Yeah. he's in Amsterdam, so he hosted the, uh, the three days yeah, so over Zoom. And so he was great. He was great, yeah. Um, so a little bit of context on what Climate Launchpad, it's, it's mm. almost like a business accelerator course, but um, it specialises in mm. green and clean tech businesses. Mm. So um, you kind of do an inten- intense boot camp mm. on your business idea, and you look at your what did we look at? Uh, um, customer value proposition, beachhead markets, yeah. Market, customer value proposition, pricing structure, yeah. Your you know the deal. Yeah. So what are you all about? It's Why really are you doing what you're doing? Refining our business yeah. proposal. Well, a precursor like to this, another curtain shout out. We we did the curtain <laughs> accelerate program. So that was actually um, one day a week over a ten week yep. period, and that. Basically, we started that as a not-for-profit organisation. Yeah, and I didn't know what a ROI, return of investment, (laughs) is. I spent the first three weeks, we were just exhausted at at the end of every single session. Um, But that uh, was an absolute, you know, that was a kickstart for us, just figuring out, you know, so many different things. Yeah, we we grew a lot in those Mm. 10 weeks, like, from who we were going in there. To who we were going coming out of yeah. that. Um, so yeah. yeah, you work. We worked with like experts in commercialization or yeah. people who have other startups. Mm. Um, we had really great mentors mm. from Curtin and outside Curtin. Couldn't recommend it more for yeah. anyone who's looking at you know yeah. being an entrepreneur or having a startup. That is what you need. And we don't come from business worlds, no. Molly yeah. and I. Like we no. come from we're creative, we're artists, <laughs> hands-on kind yeah. of worlds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it w- it's all it's all trial and error. Yep. At the moment, we would like to secure some customers for our service. Like we've been piloting the program um, with BHP for over a year now, so mm-hmm. they absorb all the costs of the program, but we don't get paid wages mm. yet. Um, so that would be good by the end of the year if mm. we could secure something like that. And then, I mean, just we want to start tapping into more sites across WA. We're only working from two at the Mm. moment and there's over 155 Mm. just in WA. So taking more of those Mm. sites off our list. And I think just really refining our service and Mm. making it, you know, really clean, precise. Mm. We know exactly what's going where, which, you know, Mm. we're getting our heads around it, but um, we're learning things every day. Yeah. Um, Just making it a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. But keeping textiles out of landfill yeah. <laughs> is the priority. Yeah. Well, Claudia and Molly, thank you so much for your time today and talking to me and for our listeners. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing more about your experience since graduating. I guess to finish this episode, I was hoping you'd be able to share a couple of words of wisdom or some advice for our listeners that you wish you had known when you started your journey as young alumni? Mm. I've got one. You go. So Anne Farron, Dr. Anne Farron, who's head of fashion at Curtin, when I was in my first year out of uni, I'd finished my degree and I'd moved over to Melbourne. I was working in retail, got fired from that job and I called Anne and I was like, I don't know what to do. I couldn't find... I couldn't find a job that fit with my morals when it came to fashion and Mm. sustainable fashion. Mm. This was 2016, 17. So they're still, it was still new. Like upcycling wasn't really trendy then. And Mm. what she said to me was, you've got nothing but time. And that really stuck with me because I just started sewing. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to be doing. Mm. I just followed my craft and my passion and um, eventually things start making sense. Mm. So if you're feeling a little confused or lost, mm. just start doing something. Mm. Yeah. I, I think um, the, the biggest thing for me is not pigeonholing yourself as a fashion designer. I think mm. as a fashion designer now and moving into the future, especially if you're looking at you know sustainability and circularity, it's understanding the importance of that interdisciplinary mm. approach and you know you're a creative problem solver you know you're yeah. you know especially if you're looking at it in that respect um and so yeah never underestimating the value of collaborating with other people other um you know disciplines industries um and that's sort of what we've learned from being in accelerate and programs yeah, like that and fiber is, economy now is yeah like or even just bringing our specialized knowledge never um underestimate the knowledge that you have and how it might be used in other areas because yeah someone's always going to be also networking yeah. is big you it's never good. know you yeah. could, it doesn't matter where you meet them at the grocery store or at a bar you yeah. never know where they might be helpful be nice to everyone yeah <laughs> and always i always tell people to always get dressed well because you never know yeah. who you're going to run into yeah those are all very yeah, good cool. tips. I mean, your passion is for this area is so <laughs> clear. Four hours. Yes. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> um, it's really inspiring. I know that a lot of us aren't perhaps in the field we started in, and just the fact that you're so open to exploring new things and to learning and constantly developing and seeing where your business will grow from here. It's very inspiring for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. So thank you both so much for coming in today. Thank Thanks for, for having, having us. us. It's yeah. been great. No, we... it's always fun to sit with Molly and talk about yeah, fashion. It's been great. Talk the leg off an armchair. Yeah. Right Nothing thing? wrong with that <laughs> at all. <laughs> so listeners, we've reached the end of today's Talks for Change episode. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next Talks for Change podcast and don't forget to follow our socials and connect with the team. Thank you. If you think that you or another Curtin graduate under 35 has an amazing story to tell or are interested in being part of Talks for Change, drop us a line at youngalumni at curtin.edu.au.